0: this is Chris. And this is Andrew, and welcome back to Video Games Cover to Cover, episode 53, part 8, 9, I don't don't know, some part of Final Fantasy VII Remake.
1: I I, I can tell you it's the part right after Corneo's sewer trip.
0: Yeah, right before we go up to the wall.
1: Well, wait, well, not really Corneo's sewer trip. Corneo just happened to be in the sewer. It was Leslie's sewer trip.
0: Yeah, but... It was to get Corneo, so, like, I mean, it's still kind of his trip, so, I mean, whatever. It was, like, a really bad ride at an
1: amusement park. You know, one one maybe one of those first ever, like, splash rides,
0: a log fume. I think you mean flume. Log fume would be a stink. <laughs> but, the, hey, you know what? It works because most of the originals
1: stunk. And also it, it was a sewer. It just happened to so. be a new thing. I mean, Andrew, I've been recently... My wife and I have been watching this YouTube channel that's called defunct Land, and it's talking about a bunch of
0: oh yeah I'm familiar amusement with parks yeah. and
1: stuff some of the first versions of these log rides are horrifying i I get that at the time it's probably something that nobody saw, but if as a child, I was writing down a a log ride meant for me to specifically you know, cater to my enjoyment, and I saw a horrifying-looking rabbit creature. I, I, I would have to say that maybe it is a log fume because it stinks
0: horribly. <laughs> Fair enough, I guess.
1: So we, we right after you get out of the sewers, that's when we do the whole thing with the old woman who turns out she's the angel of the slums the whole
0: time. I'm pretty sure we do that before because she's not even there when you get out. The lady you talk to when you get out is the one who helped you evacuate.
1: No, because the reason you talk to, to Mariel is because you couldn't even get one of the last Corneo things until going through the sewers.
0: Right. But I like because I remember specifically going back to the church to talk to her and she's not there. No, she wasn't there. She, she
1: was in the town or something. She wasn't in the church. But no, we did have to talk to her because after you talk to her, that's when they give you, she gives you, uh, you you basically hand over all the loot or whatnot. And she says, no, that's when you, because you can't give her any
0: of the diamonds or anything. You don't give her the loot. You give it to the lady to rebuild Sector 7 instead, not the thief. Oh. And then she gives you the, the guidebook for Cloud. You don't talk to her ever again. She basically tells you who she is. When she gives you the quest, and you never see her again,
1: uh, well, I disliked that so much that
0: I just wiped
1: it from my memory,
0: yeah, because I was going to say because no you don't you don't get um you, 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 when you talk to her and she tells you to you know, oh, it sure would be cool if somebody went and stole this stuff, that's like the last time you you ever see her and and here's my thing, uh okay,
1: Mariel, uh why don't you do it yourself since you're the one with the key anyway? I don't understand why I have to do it. I mean, I got a cool skill book out of it, but why do I have to do it? If you're just this amazing, you know, thief and everything, and you're so good at your thief job, why didn't you just do any of this? Maybe it's because the sewers were essentially terrifying, and there was a bunch of creatures down there that you would not be equipped to handle at all which makes me think that you definitely shouldn't have been the thief the entire time because at least from Kyrie's perspective she is spry and agile enough to get away from random creatures you're you're this is really bothering you it's kind of amazing i just i don't it really irritates me that it ended up being her i don't know why i don't get it it just it really irritates me because it 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 just makes no sense unless she was act unless her granddaughter was like acting as her and also being the angel of the slums but she even complains about how her granddaughter doesn't know right from wrong and she doesn't know who to steal from And, and you know she that's why she took Johnny's wallet because it's like why would you take Johnny's wallet like ever why? Johnny is probably the only person here with less money than everyone else, because he just got
0: done spending all of it at the Honeybee Inn. I I guess I just don't see that, because, like, I, I mean, is that the most interesting thing? No, there are more interesting options, sure, but, like, the idea that she couldn't be the one doing it, like, that totally lines up, because the people who you would least expect to do it are frequently... Like, in terms of when you look at them and go, oh, they couldn't be stealing stuff, are the ones who are able to get away with this sort of thing.
1: Well, so so I understand that. But then the other thing, Andrew, is she's the one that told us where the angel of the slum's hideout is. There's a gigantic monster when you get there. And then she apologizes going, oh, I never would have sent you to the giant murder creature if I, you
0: know, had known it was going to be there. The way she said it. The way she said it, it was really obvious that that was like a fake apology. Like, I saw that from the beginning because she's like, oh, I never would have done that. And then, like, winks at you about it. Like, it's really not subtle, dude. I mean, maybe, but all I know is it should not have been her.
1: And if she's going to send a giant murder creature on me, then it seems only fair that I send my gigantic sword on her because right now it's time for us to get into a fight that doesn't happen. But you know what, Andrew? If this was the Witcher universe,
0: I would have already taken care of this problem. If this was the Witcher universe, you would have stabbed everyone and then had sex with everyone else. Not, okay.
1: Whoa, 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 Andrew. Because that's what the game was all about. That is what the game was all about. But I saved the prime timeline in my save file. I've only ever slept with Yennefer now, and Shawnee because I wasn't willing to go back. But those two people, that's it. I mean, Shawnee was, while I was given the timeline, it's kind of in the middle (laughs) of, you know, being fateful or whatever. But you know what? Here's the thing. I don't know what Yennefer was up to before she left. It's not my problem. You know, I just do what the developers ask of me. And they clearly wanted us to be polite. (laughs) So I don't really know what you want from me. But I definitely would have stabbed everyone. I wouldn't have killed Kyrie because she is spry enough to get away. It seems like she's pretty quick, although Tifa is there, and Tifa would have ran
0: her down and annihilated her, uh, fist b style. I feel like Tifa would probably, you know, object to you doing these things. Unlike most of the characters in The Witcher,
1: here's the thing: if this was the Witcher universe, Tifa would be way more like Yennefer. I mean, realistically, Tifa would probably be closer to to Triss. Uh, You know what? In my opinion, (laughs) Tifa would be closer to Shawnee. There'd be two Shawnees. There's Aerith and Tifa. Both of them are Shawnee. And then there's Scarlet, who's basically Yennefer. Super evil, doesn't care about anybody. (laughs) And (laughs) So what you're
0: saying is your true love in this game is Scarlet.
1: Andrew, we haven't met Scarlet yet, but I can neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) how I'm feeling right now. But what I can tell you is we've got grappling hook level two, and it is time to scale this wall because there's nothing else to do. Although the one thing I think we forgot to mention last time is the pull-ups with Tifa, because talk about ultimate rage inducing those pull-ups has got to be one of the most frustrating things I have done in this entire game.
0: Yeah, those pull-ups were extremely hard.
1: I can confirm that going down to easy does nothing because I tried it. I was like,
0: please, game, please just let me get past this. I mean, it was the second champion belt, so like, cool. But yeah, no, those pull-ups were so hard. I had to do it based solely on
1: second champion belt. It was rough, and I barely beat him. I, I,
0: I beat Jules by one. I like I beat everybody in clouds contest, the squat contest on the first try, but yeah, with Tifa, I, I had to retry a lot. I had to try amateur
1: in clouds once because I wasn't ready for suddenly, you know, pressing X a bunch. But Tifa's was so difficult because every time you, you got used to the pattern, it changed every single time. Every single time without fail, the pattern changed. And then you'd get through the first rep, and you'd have to do the second reps. And then the
0: pattern changed again. That was what kept getting me, was the, the second reps, because it's like, you, you would do it once. Because with Cloud, you just had to beat him in one countdown or whatever. And then with her, you'd do it, and then you'd have to start over all the way from being really slow again and stuff. So even if I had a really good... Like, basically, if I didn't end the first round with a lead of, like, five or six, I I knew I wasn't going to win because they would always catch up in the second round. Here's the thing.
1: You can't make a single mistake. Yeah. If you make a single mistake, you might as well restart. And even if you don't make any mistakes, there's a possibility that you still won't win. Yeah. You still might not get it. It was just – it
0: was so hard. I mean, I did it. Thankfully – if all you're going for is just getting like the side quest checkbox, you only had to do the first level, which wasn't super bad. But yeah, like if you wanted to actually finish it and get the the cool reward, it it got real brutal.
1: Well, it's also an achievement. So if yeah. you're going for the achievement, that's it's really going to suck to be you because even going on easy, it doesn't change anything. I thought, yeah, well, maybe it'll be a little easier. No, it's not. Yeah, because I would
0: assume that would just change the combat difficulty. no.
1: I I don't know. I mean, button presses are, I I would consider that to be a hard metric. And if the outside of, well, yeah, I guess you have a point. Because even outside of the main difficulty of the game, when you go to do the arena, you can select specific difficulties. So I guess it's kind of like that, basically just selecting hard mode. But yeah, I, I, I can tell you it really sucked. So, if anyone out there is having trouble with it, I get it. Yeah, we, we feel your pain. It, it was brutal. I also want to point out, there is something that I missed last time. There's a third oh. person you can get to show up on the island. Barrett. What do you mean on the island? You know that little island thing where oh. Tifa showed up and Air oh, showed up? Okay. For... Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, apparently it's also possible to get Barrett. That's pretty funny. I didn't look into any of the specifics on how you do it, and I, I didn't watch the video. I probably should have, but it was late last night when I found it, and uh, I thought
0: that was really cool, so it, it's it's possible to get Barrett there. That's awesome. It's probably, I would assume, it's probably something you'd almost have to go out of your way to be doing from the beginning, though, just like getting him in the gold saucer in the original game.
1: It probably has something to do with, it probably, because I, I, I think loosely it said that there's a dialogue option. I think there's a dialogue. You probably have to be neutral to both Aerith and Tifa.
0: Not even neutral. I'll just say you probably just have to be a jerk to both of them all the time.
1: Well, maybe not a jerk because the when you talk to one of them, you definitely it, it is definitely positive points when you talk to them in the sewers. So if you've been a jerk to both of them the whole time, but then you are positive to one of them, so my guess is you almost have to go out of your way to be positive to Aerith and then positive to Tifa, to which it, they neutral out and then you get Barrett instead. I, I don't know. I probably should have looked it up before I tried to explain any of this, but that is wild, though.
0: I mean, like, cool and a nice little, you know, touch given, again, the original game. But that is kind of amazing to think about.
1: Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool because it, it is possible to get Barrett on the date in the original game. Right. If I remember right. No,
0: and yeah, you so totally
1: can. I thought that was kind of a... It, it, it's, it's another one of those nice polished pieces that, uh, uh, that makes me happy.
0: But we put it off
1: long enough. I think it's time to climb this wall.
0: Yep. This is the point where the game... And In case it wasn't already clear, the game pops up with another reminder when you get out of the sewers of, hey, super ultra double check, if you want to finish anything, this is your last chance.
1: Yeah, and I tried to make it so there was absolutely nothing left for me to do.
0: Oh, yeah. I checked off every side quest, for sure.
1: With the exception of I still never got Aeris second limit break. But I you never... You,
0: yeah. I mean, if you hadn't already got it, you wouldn't have been able to at that point. Exactly. So, this section
1: is relatively, like, it's sort of, I would say it's kind of pseudo-stealth, except not really, because all you're really doing is just climbing, to get to the
0: headquarters. So, so this is another area that got expanded a ton, but in a way that like they didn't really add new content. It was just basically another dungeon. Like As far as plot and stuff goes, basically nothing happens. But whereas in the original game, it was basically just two screens of climbing on ropes, You know, here it's an entire chapter that's decently long if you're getting into a bunch of fights with shitter soldiers and stuff.
1: Which confuses me even more because... You know i obviously i I still want to talk about that boss fight, but when you get to the Shinra facility, no one is on high alert. Is it not clear what Avalanche is doing here we we're we're going we're scaling the side of this cliff or well not cliff, but this city or whatever to get up there from all this wreckage, which it was kind of cool because it was
0: actively falling apart in sections you yeah, know. no I mean it was it was neat. I just meant it didn't really add anything as far as the plot and stuff goes but no I mean it was it was certainly a lot more cinematic than the original.
1: My, the question I have for you is how
0: about that boss fight? The one at the very end of the chapter? Yes. I mean it was fine I guess I feel like I, it sounds like you're you you have something to say and I'm not sure what it would be necessarily. It sucked. From my see, perspective I hated I did, it. I didn't Let's uh, see it's interesting because this is one that I didn't really have any real problem with. See, part of my problem is I busted out Bahamut, which is
1: fine, but then as soon as Bahamut goes to do his mega flare, oh, cool, um suddenly it's got this shield that it didn't have before. And the only way to take its shield down is to basically have it hit itself with this giant laser beam, which... It doesn't, for me, I had a lot of trouble moving it around the map. The first time I died, mainly because, again, I wasn't prepared and didn't have a ton of lightning stuff. After this point in the game, I became very prepared because this part was very frustrating, especially when I bust out Bahama and I'm immediately disappointed because of the whole Megaflare situation. Cause I'm like, I finally get to see Mega Flare. It's one of the coolest things I ever saw. And then zero. <laughs> uh, what now? Uh, zero. What do you mean zero? Well, Chris, there's this giant shield covering the whole thing. Well, now I hate everything. <laughs> and Andrew, your stagger theory—staggering the enemy—is not the only thing that triggers a summon. A single party member. Being critically low on health also triggers the summon bar to start up. So while it does happen almost immediately as soon as you stagger the enemy, if you're getting the crap kicked out of you and one of your party members health bar is critically low, that is also a trigger for it to start. Or if one of your party members dies, that triggers the summon to show up.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I knew there had to be more to it than just that. Cause there were definitely situations that that hadn't happened, but I had definitely noticed for sure that staggering seemed to always be a trigger. So
1: yeah, uh, because I, I experienced that quite a bit in these, you know, cu- upcoming sections, <laughs> getting to the actual headquarter building was relatively light right before you fight the boss. There was a little frustration because it kept shooting at you, and while Tifa and Barrett basically just sprinted, I have to assume that's only because it was focused solely on Cloud, who was just trying to run at that point. <laughs> because I was like, I don't understand why nobody else is having trouble, but of course, it's the it's the AI. But right, it definitely took me a minute to figure out what was going on. When you don't control them, yeah, they're not going to have any problems. Uh, but yeah, I definitely had a lot of difficulty with that fight.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, I don't know that I would say it was an easy fight, but I didn't really like. I mean, I didn't. I don't recall struggling on that particularly compared to a couple of the others. Like, I like. I know we talked about like Hell House gave me a lot more problems than it gave you.
1: So at this point, we are in the headquarters. Well, not in the headquarters. You get to the headquarters section, and you have to go through the
0: headquarters. So one thing I would like to say, because we noticed this at this point, and I thought it was a really nice detail. How much nicer the 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 benches that you rest at and the vending machines are when you start like as you get closer to Shinra headquarters because like this is clearly you know the rich part of the city and the like the vending machines or the vending yeah the vending machines all have touch screens and the the benches have like you know padding and stuff and aren't just wood and I I just thought thought that was a really nice touch to just sort of illustrate you know like how the how much better the people on top of the plates have it over the people in the slums.
1: I didn't notice that at all. Okay, then. I
0: definitely noticed it immediately.
1: <laughs> I noticed that the benches were different. I didn't do a full-on examination to determine if they were padded or if there's a touchscreen. I thought I've seen touchscreens in other parts of the world. Like, I believe there was one in Walmart. Market on the vending machine there.
0: So, well, the one in Walmart was the Don Corneo one. Or- no, there were
1: other vending machines in that or in the surrounding area of wall market
0: i mean I, I guess there was one in the arena that's the only other one i can think of as far as vending machines specifically because there were actual shopkeepers but i
1: i guess i didn't really notice touch screens or anything like that i did notice that the benches were were, were different but i thought that was just because these are shinra specific benches because we're on our way to the headquarters
0: yeah, but I mean, it starts even as soon as you start climbing the plate, like as soon as you get on top of it and you're starting to climb through the rubble and stuff, you like, it immediately switches at this point.
1: Well, I'd like to point out, we were on top of the plate in that training facility in like chapter three, and the bench and the vending machine were not any better. They were definitely just wood and regular vending machines. Yeah. In, right. that, in that warehouse thing. I I, I attributed it to... We're in the final section of the game, and this is Shinra headquarters, so it just has to look nicer than everything else. I didn't attribute it necessary, really, necessarily to you know the plate versus the slums. I just figured it's nicer stuff because it's Shinra.
0: Like well, I mean, because like I said, I mean, it started in chapter fifteen while you're climbing, because pretty much as soon as you get up there, all the benches, like the vending machines and the bench designs, all switch.
1: Before but then if you, you're if you're on your way up and you're climbing on your
0: way up there then that also suggests that well no cuz you're climbing on the rubble of what used to be the plate like i mean all the it's not like people were living in strata's between it it's that the plate fell down and you're working your way up the junk.
1: <laughs> no, i understand that. I'm just saying there are definitely sections in the game earlier that their benches are not any better. Maybe that's just because it was a Shinra warehouse. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, thinking back all the way to Chapter 5, I don't recall. I mean, I feel like I probably would have commented, but maybe, I don't know. If I ever play through it on hard, I'll specifically check out what the, the, I will scope out the bench situation in that area.
1: I know for a fact, because I spent a lot of time on that bench, that it was just a regular blue one. This is the first time in the entire game that I've noticed a bench being different. They went from blue to black and white with a little...
0: Logo thing. With like, and, like, dividers. But enough about benches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, at this point, we're heading into Shinra HQ proper, and we get there, and you don't get a choice in how you're going to do it, whereas, like, in, in the original game, Barrett was like, oh, we should go in the, straight in the front, and, you know, Cloud and Tifa suggest the stairs, and then it just kind of leaves it to you to make the decision. In this one, you have to go to the side entrance. I mean, when you you do get to choose between elevator and stairs later, but you can't just walk in the front door like you could in the original game.
1: Yeah, they vary, because even Cloud is like, no, are you kidding me? But it, but it doesn't even matter because the second you get to where you're supposed to go, we immediately alert Shinra to our presence, and that was kind of cool because it was just fight after fight after fight after fight, and I was like, oh, man. There's really no places to rest in here. There hasn't been a ton of places to save. I'm like, I'm getting really sick of this because I don't really want to use my items because if this is anything like the original game, we're about to run up on a boss gauntlet and I really don't want to be wasting stuff on just regular small dudes. But, you know, I was fireballing everybody. There was one one section in particular in this whole deal where I was just constantly casting fireball just over and over and over and over. And then it got to the point where it, well, I had no mana left, and there was like s- six dudes still around. Barrett is dead. Tifa's on her last limb. And I was like, wow, I really was not paying attention to this. Somehow I survived. I have no idea how, but I survived long enough to bring the other two back, give myself an ether, and then fireball the rest of the dudes. But I just thought it was kind of funny because I was I was ha- I was having a lot of struggles there when they were doing the fight back
0: to back to back to back. Yeah, there's a, there's that whole gauntlet where when you because um, as you go to the parking garage, yeah, you immediately basically alert everybody, and then you basically fight your entire way through the parking parking garage. Honestly, the Shinra building is really interesting because like the run up to it and then towards through the parking garage is just like nonstop fights basically, and then you get inside and it gets really quiet for a while.
1: Yeah. You get inside, and then there's nobody. There's not even a single person at the reception desk. And I'm sitting there thinking, are are you serious right now? There is nobody in here. How is there nobody in here? Not a single person is here. And the whole thing is on lockdown as if they know that you're there.
0: They just don't care. So one thing I, I will say before we go any further on that, I'm a little disappointed, and I I was talking to somebody else, one of the other people in our Discord, who was having a similar conversation about it is a little disappointing that Barrett is the guy who's like, oh, let's just march right in or whatever. And it was dumb in the original game too, partially because he's been leading a really small terrorist cell, he really should know like how to do this properly. You know, like how are you still alive if this is the best strategy you have? Well, I think it just
1: part of barrett's problem is he just hates shinra so much and that's the whole point like that's why i'm try- that's what i was saying the whole bombing thing in general was not really well thought out because it just seems
0: like whatever he decides, like the first thing that comes to-, to his mind he's like we'll do that well, yeah i mean for sure he's very impulsive just that moment in particular because it's like surely you understand how bad of an idea that is like
1: But I also think it speaks specifically to Wedge, Biggs, and Jesse. Because Jesse was the bombs expert. Biggs, and they even mentioned this in the earlier game, they said that Biggs had a habit of over-planning for absolutely everything. So it almost sounds like Barrett is just the guy that brought everybody together. But those three in general, and, and probably to more of a degree, Biggs, was responsible for a lot of the planning and secrecy and figuring out exactly what the best way to approach something would be.
0: Yeah, that's true. I had forgotten about that, but I do remember them saying that now that we're talk- talking about it. Yeah, because I think Jesse tells you about that at some point.
1: Because then when you have the opportunity to talk to to, to Biggs in the lower part of the or, or after you get back, he really is just talking to himself over and over and over, re-explaining the plan to himself, re-talking about it. And Cloud just comes up and he's like, "Hey, man, just get some sleep. You're fine. You'll be fine. You've planned it out. You've done. You've done well." And I think that that kind of speaks to how involved the other three really were, in a sense that you know, Barrett is the guy who almost brings everybody together. And I'm not going to say that that Barrett's like dumb or whatever. I I, I think he's a smart guy. He just when it comes to Shinra, he seems to be single-minded. Oh, yeah. No no doubt about that, for sure. And so a lot of that planning is, well, we're at the headquarters. Let's just bust in because I want to I tear it down. And Cloud has to keep reminding him through this entire section, we are here for Aerith. We are not here for Shinra. If we were here for Shinra, his plan of just storming the building immediately might not be a bad one. I wouldn't say it's a good one, but it might not be a bad play because that's getting a lot of attention on you. And then maybe, you know, other that, that may hit the news or whatnot. And other avalanche may came, come in and help you. But in this case, yeah, we're trying to be secretive. And it kind of sounds like that that was really Biggs specifically and to a lesser degree, Jesse and wedges forte.
0: And that's fair. And when, like I said, now that you reminded me of that, yeah, that, that doesn't bother me as as much as did. So yeah, you, you make a really good point there.
1: And, uh, at least that's what I was thinking, because when you had mentioned that, I didn't really think about it until now. But then I was like, oh, you know, they they maybe they were a lot bigger. Maybe they were more involved than what we actually thought. But who knows? Maybe they just decided to throw all that out in the window and just be like, Barrett's big, hulky brute guy who just wants to kill everybody now. And it's like, what? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I will say... This is one of the few times in the game that you get to play as Tifa right here in this yeah which was cool section. It's, now you don't to get to do some. much, you don't get to fight anybody, but then you you do this whole acrobatics stuff and I was wrong. Andrew, the whole climbing on monkey bar things actually came up again and it's right here. Yeah. I had mentioned why are you doing this for one section of the game and it never comes up again? Well, right now, I'm sitting over here having a lavish dinner of shoe and crow because <laughs> Tifa has to do aerobatics to get to the next section did you get i I have to assume you got her gloves
0: oh yeah i I think the only weapon I missed was the one you have to steal for Aerith. yeah, that was I realized that
1: you had to do that because that right there and it's not just this game because lots and lots of games are guilty of this exact same thing. Steel basically does nothing the entire game. And then suddenly it's like, oh, by the way, if you had used it on this one boss, one boss in the entire game, you could have gotten steel. And it's not until chapter 11. So you get steel pretty much immediately. You could use it on every single boss chapter and have absolutely nothing, and then stop right at 10, like, well, this is clearly never going to come up. Oh, by the
0: way, it's right there at 11. I uh, hate that. Honestly, I had completely forgotten that we even had steel, because when I, when I did the scan on the enemy, and it specifically tells you, you can steal a weapon for Aerith from this, and I'm like, wait, steel? And I had to go back and look, and oh, yeah, it's just been sitting there in my inventory, because I took it off forever ago. It's a, Materia is so important. And because you can't
1: change it in the middle of a battle, why would you ever have steel? Because it's never come up before. I've tried to steal in in the beginning part of the game. I used steel for a while. I kept wasting an entire ATB bar on stealing stuff from enemies that just never happened. And then suddenly there's a boss where you steal a, a, a unique weapon from it. Come on. At least it was for Aerith because I already have the weapon on her that I'm probably not going to switch out because realistically, how much of the game is left and how much of that are we going to spend with Aerith? Yeah, because we're in the end game at this point. Like I'm probably not going to be switching out a whole lot of weapons or anything like that. So I, 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 I do want to point out that at this point, I believe we have
0: all of cloud's weapons. No, there's one you, you, cloud's last weapon is like the very last one you get.
1: Okay, the, the twin sword.
0: Yeah, the twin blade or whatever. Yeah.
1: I still never ended up using it because through the rest of everything, I, I'm still using that purple sword. I really, really like it because I've just been de- decimating everything with magic with the exception of that electricity boss. That's mostly because I have fire on Cloud because most
0: of the people that I come across have yeah, all I been it. Shinra people. I was going to say, I've noticed. That, like, people and, like, regular non-monster type dogs seem to be weak to fire. Monsters seem to be weak to ice. And then, yeah, robots are weak to lighting. Like, they really kind of did make it very predictable, which I thought was kind of nice. And then, like, rude and, like, only rude is weak to wind. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that, like, what
1: else in the game is actually weak to wind? Maybe the drakes every once in a while? I I think the drakes are, too. Yeah, but that's, like, it. And then they used wind, so that's actually more confusing. Because a lot of the times when an enemy used something, they generally weren't weak to it, although I guess that's not true, because the the flamethrower guys were weak to fire, which, Andrew, that makes no sense to me at all. Wouldn't the flamethrower guys be wearing flame-retardant gear? Or are they trying to say that they're even
0: more weak because they have gigantic accelerant on their back? I'm pretty sure it's that, because I think like if you actually hit them with fire, their tank explodes.
1: Which isn't, which would be a nice touch. I don't know if I ever noticed that, mainly because most of the time, you know, once I got to the point where I was using magnify and I had fire on everything, there was constant explosions around me.
0: Well, I think you had to specifically hit them in the back. I don't know if like hitting them with the fire spell like in the front did it. But like, yeah, you could definitely make their tank explode. It was in there like the notes for them.
1: Yeah, I kind of stopped using assess too, because for me, again, it's just. Admittedly, a lot of that is probably why I don't do as well as I could, but to me, it's just so much more important to have other materia on people at all times.
0: Yeah, no, I, I leaned on assess really heavily through the end of the game, especially because like, unlike in, say, Original 7 or a lot of the others, you only ever had to do it once, and then you could just refer to that information at any point.
1: Well, that was the thing. At that point, I had assessed almost every single thing in the game,
0: because even in this last section... There basically wasn't any new enemies. Yeah, but they all went back to question, question, question on everything again because they were like variations. Oh. I just fireballed everybody because humans
1: Yeah, I mean that part didn't change for sure. And robots lightning everybody. Yeah. Give Barrett Lightning, give Cloud Fire. Like
0: I'm set for basically the rest of the game. Yeah, that part was very consistent. And like I said, I kind of appreciated that they made it really predictable like that.
1: And, and that's the thing. It's like, for me, wasting an ATB usage on Assess was just not an option. I'd rather end the fight quickly than and have one more attack than use it Assess. I can tell you, it, it, it worked out. There's definitely a few times that I struggled, and, and there was definitely a, a, a few more frustration. But, you know, for the most part... I've been, up to this point, red- relatively fine with that method. So once you get the key card, I do want to point out, and I thought that was this was really funny, inside the Shinra building, when you're walking around, did you notice you can't go up an escalator that is specifically slated for going down? Yes, I did notice that. I thought that was kind of cool. Once you're on the escalator, you can move in whatever direction you want. But it wouldn't let you enter. Yeah. But it wouldn't even let you enter it if it was going the wrong way. And it's like, how dare you? Why would you even consider doing this? Which there are some things that... Do you have have you no decency, sir? Well, that's a, there are some things about the beginning of the game that I wish continued. There are definitely parts in the beginning of the game where Cloud kind of breaks the fourth wall. Where... You know, right after Tifa goes to bed, I kept trying to get inside of her room anyway, and Cloud just kept looking back at me and being like, idiot, she went to sleep, what are you doing? As if he's talking to himself, and there was a lot of moments like that, and I feel like this escalator would have been a perfect opportunity for for Barrett or Tifa to be like, how dare you, (laughs) whenever you try to go
0: up the wrong side of the escalator, even though there's nobody there. But speaking of going up stuff, after Tifa's acrobatic stunt, it's time to make the most important decision of the entire game, elevator or stairs. Yes. I took the stairs, obviously. Oh, I, there's, I mean, there's the correct answer, and then there's the elevator.
1: <laughs> My wife took the elevator.
0: Um, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Which actually
1: answered a lot of questions for me about a section that is coming up in the very near future that I don't know if we're going to get to on this episode, but Nah, we'll probably get there. Uh, so, So when she was going up the elevator, like every 10 floors, there was either a fight or there was some funny thing like the Shinra manager. And it might even be the exact same manager. I don't know because I didn't think about I didn't think about looking until just now. But there was some Shinra manager that came up and he was talking on his phone and he's like, yeah, I don't know when they're going to let us leave. They said something about like avalanches attacking us and Cloud, Barrett and Tifa have all turned around at this point and they're kind of looking over their shoulders like, is he going to see us? <laughs> and then he just, the elevator opens up a couple floors up and then he gets off and they're like, Phew, good. That's Meanwhile, funny. a few floors before that, there was this woman who was about to get on the elevator and the doors open and clouds giant sword is just looking at her and she's like, ah! and then backs up and they're like, okay, cool. And then that guy gets on, which I thought was going to be, it, it was going up. The elevator was actually kind of fun, but you know, what was even more fun in my opinion was the
0: whole stairs thing. I love the st- I mean. I know you had opinions about the stairs last time, but I really enjoyed them. I did too. It was really, you know, as they were going
1: up the stairs and they're having conversations back and forth to one another, I I feel like it was definitely, you get something out of that that you don't really get when it's just words on a screen.
0: Yeah. The banter, I mean, I think we've talked about that before, but I really think the banter between the characters was really solid in general in this game.
1: And you can see the entire time where each one of them is at. So like Tifa is like five flights ahead of everybody else because she's speedy and acrobatic and And in the best shape of everybody. As you're going up, like it even gets to the point where you can't even move fast. Like I thought I, I was sitting there. I was like, okay, well, let me stop for a little bit. Maybe he'll catch his breath. No, he doesn't. It's still just a slog as if you yourself was walking up those stairs and are like, this sucks.
0: Did you also notice that, like, as everybody moved, like, the order of their health bars and stuff kept flipping around based on where they were? No,
1: I didn't see that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it has everybody's, like, the floor next to it, but, like, like it'll, in the beginning when, like, Barrett is still running, like, it flips back and forth between Barrett and Tifa and the clouds at the bottom. And then when you pass Barrett, you jump to the middle and then Tifa just keeps getting, like, further and further away.
1: That's that's a really nice detail.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really funny. You
1: know, I I, I think one of the parts that I like the most is is when they were kinda of going up there and and uh Cloud kinda of yells down to Barrett and he's like, Hey Barrett! Yeah You know that scene in Jurassic Park where there's a bunch of eggs that have hatched? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah? Well that doesn't really make any sense, does it? Like, they literally just got there, and it's been maybe 24 hours since the park was, has gone haywire. How did a dinosaur magically grow male parts in that time, you know, be polite with another dinosaur, and make dinosaur babies, and allow them to hatch? And then Tifa kind of yells down from the she's like 10 floors up at this point. She's like, cloud, none of that matters right now. Can't you just <laughs> sit there and enjoy the movie as it's happening? <laughs> and clouds just like, but it doesn't make any sense. I just don't get it. Like that. That makes no sense. It seems like that's a glaring plot hole. At this point, Barrett is, is so disheveled and upset that this is even going through Cloud's mind. I just thought that that was a fun little touch that uh, uh, <laughs> that, that was added in there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really, though, it just opens up so many possibilities about the world because what other real world movies do they have? Exactly. And, and, and who knows? You know, if they, if they experience Jurassic Park. I mean, we've seen that they've got VR glasses and stuff. So, like, is... Is Chadley? I, wow, I blanked on his name for a second. Is Chadley going to start telling us about the <laughs> Matrix?
1: Or you know what? I really want to see Andrew. I really want to see Midgard Neo. I need there to be a Keanu Reeves in this world, just to know that at any given point he can John Wick it up and just start. Here's the thing: the next plot of the movie, or <laughs> the next plot of the movie, the next plot of this game is going to have for Shinra. The reason why it's got nothing to do with Shinra has nothing to do with the whole Setheroff stuff. It's got everything to do with the fact that Shinra killed John Wick's dog. Wait. And he is waging war against the Shinra company.
0: Wait. Let's not forget one of the executives is named Reeves. Just saying. So what you're saying is.
1: He's been in the company the whole time. Reeves's dog was in Sector 7. Yes. And he couldn't. Because there is actually a scene where Kate Sith, and for everyone who's played the original game, we all know that that's actually Reeves the whole time. Kate Sith shows up as and if he's it. trying yeah. to stop it, but he yeah. just doesn't get there in time before it happens. Andrew, Shinra has killed. We just cracked this wide open. John Wick's dog, and there's nothing that can be done. The whole company is it's doomed. Is down. done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Dude. why Shinra doesn't show up. That is that is why in the original game, Shinra Shinra is so busy dealing with John Wick that they just don't have enough time to try and take over the world anymore. They're like, Hojo's still trying to do his whole promised land plan, but none of that's working out. But the rest of Shinra as a whole is dealing with John Wick. Like the Turks, all they're doing
0: constantly is trying to fight off John Wick. I mean, I mean, Rufus is clearly, you know, like we saw in the game, studies some gunkata and stuff, and that's entirely to get ready for his inevitable showdown.
1: Yeah, that, like, we, there it is, man. And, and I got to be honest, you know, knowing that now, I'm okay with Shinra being, you know, kind of an afterthought in, in the next, you know, coming <laughs> sections, because what I hope is that there is a spin-off where we play as Reeves, as John Wick, fighting against Shinra.
0: You know what I will say? If they do that, I will also be okay with the reduced focus on Shinra going forward.
1: I have to assume that that's what they're going to do, Andrew, because nothing else makes any sense. You're right. Shinra is such a huge presence, and then suddenly they're just like, "No, Shinra doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't make any sense, but
0: it's because of John Wick. And even though that that didn't exist... See, that was always the intent, but like so much other stuff, it got cut. and. So, the movies have actually been... Where do you think uh, the movies came from? They were inspired from yeah. Final Fantasy VII, original. The, the, John Wick, the John Wick trilogy is actually just a series of extremely long advertisements for the Final Fantasy VII remake. I mean, what else could it be? It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. I and mean, the only thing that I can think of. I mean, it's not like there's anything else
1: going on. So, So, once you get up to the top of the stairs... Everyone is tired. E- e- even Tifa is like, oh, oh, oh. and then you get up there and she quickly recovers and
0: it's like, cool. Well, to be fair, she's been standing there recovering the before you've been doing the last like six floors. I know because she, she's like, let's just get
1: this done. I'm tired. It, like, what is Cloud even talking about? You know, I love Jurassic Park. He's, he's sitting on there getting upset about this one specific detail Barrett is taking absolutely forever but
0: here's and, the and, thing and another thing how did they fit all that in shaving cream <laughs> yeah loud how- no one cares
1: <laughs> he he gets up and he's like but they never bring up the barbasol again in any other movies it comes up in the game okay stop it <laughs> so once you're up there you Start to go through the, I think the mission is called Act as a Tourist.
0: Yeah, because you have to go through the the tour of the building. And the entire time, it's
1: hilarious because Barrett is like, you have got to be kidding me.
0: Which, let's back up a second though, because I do want to think, who would build the tourism part of their building 60 floors up and not like on the ground floor when people walk in?
1: Probably the same guy who decided to build a gigantic gold statue of himself as the beginning of the tour. I mean, fair. He he doesn't seem like he's got a whole lot going on upstairs. Speaking of, you know,
0: lack of subtlety.
1: It really seems like he is... Just some random dude who knows how to talk to people, and they have done all this work, because the decision-making of this man is
0: very, it's just non-existent. So, there's a couple things I'd like to talk about in, in this museum, though, that is the start of the tour. Okay. For one, I did like that you got, like, the directors each had a little recorded message, although I was kind of annoyed that a couple of them basically just blew everything off. Because like uh, uh, this was an opportunity to introduce their characters.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing. I think that that speaks to their characters. The two people who completely blew it off were Scarlet and Heidegger. Both people who think they are way full of themselves and
0: do not care about anybody else. Both of them were like, yeah, I don't have any time for this. Yeah, that's true. But even Hojo makes time, which if anybody would have blown him off, I would have thought it would have been him. But well, Hojo
1: seems to be the guy that when he's told to do something, he'll do it, albeit reluctantly, just so that way, if it means he can get back to his
0: science let me, faster. Yeah, let let, let me get this over with so that no one will bother me again.
1: And then there's the one guy who clearly has no idea what's even going on. He's like, oh. We were working on space stuff and now we're not working on space stuff anymore.
0: Palmer's recording was my favorite just because, like, yeah, the whole thing is him just being a sad sack about the fact that they're not doing a space program. Like, anymore.
1: I don't understand why they're not doing space anymore. It's like, dude, get over yourself. I don't
0: uh, Meanwhile, my thought is, I don't understand why you still have a job. Yeah, why are you even still there? That makes no sense at all.
1: Why you're still there when they don't do space stuff anymore makes no sense.
0: And, you know, just like you'd expect Reeves, like, goes into a lot of detail about, like, the projects that he's working on and stuff. It, like, actually seems like he's, you know, invested in this whole thing. Yeah, he actually
1: cares about everything that is going on versus, you know,
0: again, Scarlett and Heidegger, both people who just don't care at all. And the other thing I wanted to mention is when we're talking about, you know, the founding of the company and stuff. Do you remember back when we were talking in in ten two and we talked about all those theories about Final Fantasy seven and Final Fantasy X being the same world? You mean
1: in, like, every episode that we've done so far for the remake as well? Yes, I remember.
0: I, I think we've only mentioned it once or twice, but there's a picture in the museum of, like, it, it doesn't really go into a whole lot of detail, but it's, like, one of those, like, early corporate boards or something like it's a it's a really yellowed photograph of like a bunch of people in suits sitting there like posing for a picture yeah and the person in the middle of the picture is wearing the mask that shinra wore the whole thing that literally no one else in the history of the of the series has ever worn what yeah he's wearing a suit but he is wearing the mask that shinra
1: has i do also want to point out a lot of the larger bosses that are you know big creatures or whatnot The game takes the time to fade them away after the battle in the exact same way that Final Fantasy X did.
0: And also, like we were saying, somebody specifically calls them fiends, and X is the only game that ever referred to them as fiends. And they they did say that this happened
1: in, in what, two decades? The the entire Midgar was built? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously we're decades out from... Because he even mentions that I think in the presentation, it's in one of the presentations, he mentions that like his grandfather's grandfather grandfather or whatever figured out how to use Mako for energy,
0: which is something that Shinra as a kid with that mask was doing. Right. So I mean it really does seem like now will they ever go into it beyond that? I mean that would be really interesting. Here's their opportunity to do that. But- I feel like they have
1: to. I feel like the other games they're going to if they
0: if they just don't outright confirm
1: it, I feel like there's going to have to be something because as, as much as they've, the fact that they're putting hints in there like that, maybe it's just fan service because people want it to be true. So it's like, Oh, it's just a coincidence, but you know, it's just a little Easter egg for people who want that to be true. I guess they could do that just like, you know, Mario being the angel of the slums.
0: In fact, I'm going to send you the picture while we're talking about it just so you could see it. I've been I've been sitting on this for like two weeks waiting to talk to you about it because I knew you'd be excited because this is important.
1: Oh, for a second there, I was like, dude, yeah, that's very clearly the guy, but that's also a picture from Final Fantasy X-2.
0: <laughs> yeah. Th- th- no, there's two pictures.
1: <laughs> Why is it doing? Zoom in. Th- this is just obviously brilliant. <laughs>
0: I almost, right here. I almost said it to you earlier, but then I was like, I gotta get the reaction live. Yeah, that guy almost looks like Master Chief.
1: If you <laughs> zoom in bit. really close, he he kind of almost looks like Master Chief too. That's
0: yeah, really you can, funny. But, the, but like the helmet doesn't quite fit right. Yeah, the Master Chief helmet, like it, like his head's just barely sticking out from it. But like, there's no way that's not an intentional reference. I mean, no one else ever wears that mask.
1: He's got like a hat too. Well, I think it is an intentional reference to Spartan one one six. Oh yeah, or whatever he was to.
0: I, I I can't remember his number. Yeah, but I know it. Yeah,
1: I was thinking one one six because of Disney. Or no, that's a one thirteen. So maybe he is one one six. I don't know. Anyway, that is really that is awesome, and I really if they don't put more stuff in there, like it. Andrew, they have went to great lengths to make it really look like it. And as we've determined earlier, if they're going to beat your head over the fact that it's clearly it, it must be true.
0: That's fair. Yeah. Everything
1: else in this game has been so with the exception of like wigs, with the exception (laughs) of wedge and, you know, maybe a few other twists here and there. I call them wigs because, you know. He kept changing in the beginning of the game when he kept putting on all those disguises and everything like that, and everybody kind of started calling him wigs. It really just (laughs) it made a lot of
0: sense, and so
1: I just kind of continued calling him wigs from here on out. But
0: if if anybody's confused, we are we are playing the super secret ultimate director's cut (laughs) with Uh, a bunch of content.
1: We're just playing the version that's that's playing out in my mind. And so, that's awesome. And I I, I hope that they kind of just flat out confirm it, because that would be really... I mean, like you were saying, in Final Fantasy 14, basically said that all of them exist on the same world anyway. So, it to a lesser degree, almost confirms it right there, but...
0: Yeah, but then that would imply that the ancients and stuff that Aerith is a descendant of are, you know, the people from Yunus' time and everything who used to be able to And I guess you could say, like, summoners who could, you know, send people to the live stream and stuff would be. I'm wondering
1: if the Ancients are like a Guado hybrid, because 10-2 does not really, it kind of goes into where the Guado came from, but not really. I haven't seen a single Kamari, so unless unless the Kamaris became so battle-hardened and so awesome, they all just turned into Rage Behemoths
0: which may we'll, explain why that one can regenerate himself from his horn. Maybe we'll, you know, as we start wandering around the world map we'll get to find like the secret Ronzo enclave and stuff. Or Who knows? maybe this is going to be like a Final Fantasy Tactics situation where they all apparently went extinct at some point except for humans.
1: Well, let's hope not because that that would just be one more dig against Kamari that like he can't even lead a nation f- like he 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 runs the the Kamari nation into the ground to the point that they all go extinct.
0: I, I like that you keep calling it the, the, the the that both the name of the character and the species is Kamari. Whatever the Ronzo,
1: he he leads all the Kamaris into extinction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kamari is the only one that mattered. I mean, let's be real. There were his two cousins or whatever that you have to beat up that one time. Yeah, but none of them matter.
1: And they, they, I'm pretty sure they die anyway because they don't even show up in 10 2. And the only person there that matters is Kamari. And everyone's talking about how what a bad leader he is and what a terrible job he's doing. And it turns out the entire race goes extinct. So thanks, Kamari. I, I just feel that that's just. I feel bad for Kamari because they just dumped on him all the time and Final Fantasy 7 is just the final dump on Kamari.
0: <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Is that what, like, is Red 13 and his people a descendant of Kamari? I mean, maybe, but that almost suggests that they go
1: backwards.
0: They can still talk and stuff. I don't know if I'd go that far. In fact, at least in the Abase game, talks way better than Kamari ever did. <laughs> Or any of the other Ronzo. That's the problem.
1: You know what? That's that's the problem, Andrew. Kamari was so he was so concerned with speech later on and, and less concern he was more concerned with diplomacy and less concerned about fighting that they all just regressed into the red thirteen species. I mean, red thirteen never goes into what he actually is. Well, to my knowledge, he doesn't at least not in this game. I don't know anything about Final Fantasy VII. (laughs) Spoiler alert, you get Red Thirteen, but you don't even get him as
0: a playable character. Are you kidding me? See, I was actually wondering about that because I was just sitting there like, if he's going to come in this late, are they really going to program like a whole moveset and stuff for him? No, they aren't. I will say, when you're going
1: through the headquarters and everything like that,
0: the museum... Then you have to go do a VR presentation where they talk about the ancients and stuff. And it's like very, you know, corporate speak of, all oh, the ancients were able to, you know, communicate with the planet. And here at Shinra are going to do the same thing.
1: And then the apocalypse starts. Yeah, the, which was weird. Very clearly that and, and, and it almost because later on you find out that that area is actually under maintenance. Almost seems like this has started to do this for everybody. But it's very clear. Why would they have coded that in there? <laughs> I don't know, and that's the thing. It's like, who is doing this? Who is suddenly like taking this awesome super VR technology and going, "Oh, by the way, now there's an apocalypse." My, I mean, obviously, Seth Roth is the one doing it.
0: Well, no, it Chadley was working on his latest video game project and it got a little out of hand. <laughs> I, my, I think my favorite part. Is. It felt like the holodeck episodes of Star Trek where something inevitably malfunctions.
1: Well, and I think that when when you get out of there, Barrett is like, I almost vomited. You know, I don't <laughs> understand why they're showing this to kids. And Cloud's like, I don't think that that's really the point. That felt like really real. And then he immediately reiterates, it felt like it's not something they should be showing to kids. <laughs> I'm like, I get your you're thinking of it as a parrot, but... Andrew, what parent is taking their kids on a simulated tour through the Shinra company?
0: Honestly, probably like kids coming from the company schools or whatever, probably go there as a field trip or something.
1: Maybe take your kids to work day, but what kid actually wants to go to the Shinra building?
0: If they had a cool VR thing like that, I'd want to go to the Shinra building every day.
1: Yes, but it was only like one section and it's under maintenance because Apocalypse Now is occurring at the (laughs) end of the real presentation. And, and, and so you you get out of the VR presentation, and, and, and Justice Barrett is like, you got to be kidding me with this. What is Shinra thinking? Then you are introduced to some random dude that you've never met before, and he tells you the mayor would like to see you. I'm and like, it's
0: not an option. You will be going with me to see the mayor.
1: I'm like, cool. So I wondered how they were going to do this.
0: Yeah. I have to say, Andrew,
1: Headquarters in the original game, at least up until this point, seemed
0: way more engaging to me. Oh, I agree. I think, oh, oh, you think it was more engaging in the original? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. See, I thought like going through the museum and stuff was cool.
1: Going through the museum and stuff was kind of cool, but it felt more like a, this is what you have to do. And they had a museum of similar things in the original game. There was puzzles that you had to solve. Like you had to solve a specific puzzle to go in and get a bunch of materia that doesn't really happen here. The only place that you really get materia is when you're crawling through the vents. And I have to say, crawling through the vents was an absolute nightmare and I hated it because I realized the first time I took a turn, I happened to take the right turn went down another turn and there was Materia sitting there. So I had to back all the way up to the very beginning. And it was not quick. But I mean we're not there yet, so whatever. But I, I'm I'm just saying in general, it felt like the original game to me had more puzzles and they were more engaging and fun. I mean don't get me wrong, I liked this section of the game, but there are parts of it that just drug on way too long, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um but I of, speaking of things that we did like, or at least that I liked, I really like what they did with the mayor. Well, even I liked what
1: they did to the mayor as well. But even getting to the mayor, there was a puzzle to get him and, and to get him the information that you want. In this case, the mayor just kind of you get there. The guy just shows up and he's like, you're going to see the mayor. Now you get in there and you talk to the mayor and he just divulges everything immediately. And it's like, you didn't even have to go through a whole puzzle or anything like that. Like, I actually explored the library, and it was really cool because did you talk to any of the robots? No, I didn't realize you could. Yeah, see, you and you and you missed all of that. And basically, the robots don't have much to say. You just get up to them, interact with them. And, like, one of them is, Mayor is cool. <laughs> and then another one is, like, Shinra sucks. And then another one is actually kind. I I think another one says Shinra good, like he's questioning it. And then the last one is like Mayor
0: sucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember exactly what they said, but it's like, why would you even go through the entire library section and interact with the robots and have them say anything if you're not going to have people actually go through there and solve a puzzle like you did in the original game? You expand on so many other things in this game. But solving a puzzle to get him to tell you or, or get him to give you a special material or whatever doesn't even happen. And when you're leaving, I mean, I, I want to go in to talk about, you know, what the mayor has to say a little bit more. But when you're leaving, when you talk to that guy, he's basically just like, give me a bunch of cash and you'll get all the information you need. I'm like, what? I mean, of course, I gave him the money because if you don't give him the money, you don't.
0: Yeah, get I was about to say, you
1: get Barrett's gun. But none of that is spelled out to you. I mean, of course, why would it be? Just like steel, not until you get into the fight and you literally can't change your materia.
0: Does does it say, by the way, you probably want to use steel. I will say, though, I did really like Barrett's last gun.
1: I never used it because I totally forgot about it. I oh, meant to oh, go man. in and use it, and I completely forgot about it until my wife was catching up, and she was playing, and I was like, Oh, that's right. I did get that gun from him. Oh, no.
0: And that ability was really cool. You just, like, plant a bomb on them. Yeah. Um. Didn't know that. Didn't have that. Spent the rest of the game not using it because I totally forgot about that gun. Speaking of abilities, though, I don't know if it was a bug. I mean, I, ha- I have to assume it was a bug. There was a point when Assess just stopped showing up on my list for me, even though I still had the materia in. And it was after I had learned all of Cloud's abilities. It just stopped.
1: My guess is that because it also counts as an ability. It just ran out of room. They ran and, out yeah. of
0: room. Yeah, that's exactly what I think happened.
1: Which is kind of hilarious. There's another one that there's a materia that you can steal an enemy attack, which oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. En- enemy cool, skill. But... <laughs> You can only use it when that thing is specifically equipped. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like there are things that they hammered in just to put in there. And it's like, oh, well, we have to make steel useful. Otherwise, why even put it in this game?
0: Well, and like, I always felt that way about enemy skill in Final Fantasy 7, because most of the Final Fantasies have some measure of getting enemy skills. But I always felt like in Final Fantasy 7, using the enemy skill materia was a huge waste compared to like the implementations they did in some of the other Final Fantasies where I actually made use of that.
1: Oh yeah, like like White Wind from Final Fantasy 10 is basically just
0: OP. Yeah, and like a lot uh, multiple of the games did enemy skill as limit break cuz Final Fantasy 8 one of the characters limit break was also, just like with Kamari. And Or no,
1: it was 10 too where it was overpowered.
0: I mean, it was still really good in 10 though.
1: Yes, I don't want, I don't want to say it was bad cuz it's it's one of the first skills you can use to actually heal the entire party because you don't even get prey at that point.
0: Yeah. And it costs no mana. So, like, he was a. And I tended to put Kamari as, like, a backup white mage anyway because since he doesn't really have anything he can do on his own.
1: Yeah. That's the first thing I did. I, well, well, we talked about this before, but the first thing I did was I turned him into a Yuna and then I immediately slashed over and had him start. Becoming a Titus, so that way he could do speed stuff as well. So that way I could prepare for the final battle with the two cousins. Oh yeah,
0: that makes sense. Because if you haste
1: yourself and slow them, there's no point. You yeah. just absolutely destroy them. Although I don't know if slow affected them or not, but I know obviously haste affects you.
0: Yeah, and then you can just lance at all of their moves, and you learn. You can learn like so many limit breaks from them. But yeah, so back to the mayor. I was just saying, yeah, the mayor's really interesting in this game because. They just come right out and tell you that he's the inside source that Avalanche has had. They even he even comments, "Why did you think that you haven't had any alarms or whatever since you got in the building? Do you think that like the security cameras wouldn't notice you?" And there had actually been a couple of cut scenes of like them being picked up on a security camera, and then there was a blip and they disappeared. And then the mayor was doing that. specifically
1: in the scene where you get largely introduced to Scarlet. The question I have, Andrew. Where she's using some dude as a footstool and attempting to magnify materia somehow. And then leaving all her scientists to die as she leaves the room. All the scientists were going to die anyway. Why would you stay there? If, if, In all honesty, it's not like she told the scientists they must stay to figure this out. Any of the scientists could have left. They just didn't. As soon as she got up and left, I'd have been like, yo, um, boss just gone. In this case, it's, it, it's boss leaves five seconds, I leave. Because everything is clearly about to explode. And the one question I have is, that
0: Shinra guard that she's using as a footstool, did he interview for that position? I have to wonder, because like, he goes crawling after her and stuff, too. It's not even like he gets up. He literally crawls on his hands and knees, and I'm like... And my this qu- feels really uncomfortable. My question, well, hey,
1: Andrew, you know, everybody has their thing, and I don't want to knock anybody's business. I feel like in the interview process, when she's sitting down with them, does she have to get through a whole bunch of dudes that's like, oh, yeah, I'll be a footstool. I would love to be a footstool. I I, I do it all the time. I love being a footstool. Or did she wait until she got to the guy that was like, um, wait, what? I signed up to to for Shinra... Um, yeah, well, you're my footstool now.
0: I was about to say, no, you're my personal bodyguard.
1: It just so happens that this is what you do. Yeah, you you, listen, you're a bodyguard who still has to hold a gun. And I'd like to think that this guy maybe also is her assistant. Like he's down there writing out like, okay, Miss Scarlet, you have a meeting coming up at 230. Except in this case, another dude comes up and tells her about a meeting. But I think that's just because she was late anyway. You know?
0: her he's, he's almost like her, her Shinra Butler. Maybe that's why he was having to be on footstool duty, because he failed to remind her of the meeting, and she was mad at him. That is a good point. That is a great point,
1: Andrew. And I feel like that's, that explains everything, you know? And, and he's, he's crawling after her, because he has to give time for the blood to return to his circulation. Because, Andrew, he knows just as well as she does that that whole section is going to blow up. He's like, if I stand up right now, the blood's going to rush to my legs. They're going to fall asleep and I'm going to fall over. So I've got to crawl away. It's just logistics. It just makes sense. He's thinking thinking about his survival. But that's what I'm really curious on. Like, I want to boy, would I love to be a fly in that interview? You know, just sitting up there on the wall. She's like, listen, every once in a while, you're going to have to become furniture. Um, no. Question mark?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I guess if if I really need the money, okay. But Like, well, you signed a contract, so you don't really have a choice. It's
1: like, but I signed up to be a guard. I'm like, no, 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 no. Here is where you're mistaken. See, notice this fine print that you have to use, especially designed uh, Shinra microscope that only exists in this lab that's now blown up. To, to see but it's there it's just it's not my fault you didn't have the technology to be able to see the fine print <laughs> the microsoft microscopic print that i have to assume in this world that there are just uh, there are no rules at all and so shinra makes the rules and in this case scarlet is making the rules
0: well i mean i i've always especially within midgar proper i've always just kind of interpreted as like the cyberpunk dystopia where the company is for all intents and purposes the rules. Yes. Because I mean they have their own security service and stuff and they run everything and the mayor lives in their building I mean like. And he's
1: sh- mentions multiple times the reason why he's going up against Shinra is because they treat him like a glorified librarian. Which is something he mentioned in the original game as
0: well but he's very very mad about it. Well, yeah, and he, he's much more actively, like, they, they play up his role a lot more because in the in the original game, you, at least for me, I always just kind of got the vibe that he was like, whatever, take the card, I don't care, these guys suck, and that was the end of it, whereas in the remake, they established that he's been working with Avalanche for a while. Yeah. And he's the guy who's been getting them the reactor codes and stuff like that so they can do these things.
1: You also see a cut scene of Reeves, and I could have sworn, now that I think back on it, When he was talking about the plate, there was maybe a picture of a dog on his desk, and he was, like, shaking his fist in anger. Oh, man. I could have sworn it was there, but I I just, I can't, I don't know
0: for sure, but I think it might have been. But while he's, you know, obviously and understandably devastated about his dog, he does have a, a little talk about, you know, he can't believe they did this, and his assistant is basically like, I would not say that outside this room, sir.
1: Yeah, And then it, you see, at this point you didn't know who it was, but then you find out that that's actually the mayor who is watching him on a camera. Yeah, Uh, because then you, I didn't notice, I didn't put two and two together until I watched that scene again. Uh, But then I was, I because I already knew what the mayor looked like. I'm like, ah, no, that was the mayor, because I kind of thought that was the president, and maybe the president was smiling.
0: I That was my first thought, too, was I thought that was supposed to be President Shinra, but...
1: But no, that was that was actually... The mayor. And so maybe the mayor's sitting there going, oh, well, maybe we have one more on our side. Yeah. Which probably sets up for, you know, that whole larger storyline in general.
0: But yeah, I liked that they gave the mayor... Like, the, the mayor was a little more involved in the process and not just, yeah, whatever, take the card, I don't care.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, I did enjoy that as well.
0: And that he was like a secret tech guy or whatever... And so he was able to get away with working on things from the inside because that like retro, I mean, him being a being good enough to go in and clean out security footage on the fly and stuff like, you know, retroactively explains how was Aval- how were all these reactor codes and stuff getting to Avalanche without somebody catching it, like it not setting off a security violation or something.
1: Exactly, because that really made no sense. It made no sense that you fought Shinra dudes all the way up there. You immediately alerted Shinra to your presence and if Shinra does not take care of the mayor in the next game or between this and the next game, I really don't know because it's unless the mayor escapes, which I don't know if he does or not, but if he doesn't escape, isn't it going to be kind of clear that he definitely helped him? Because immediately all of the security should be like, how did Avalanche make it this far? That doesn't make any sense because we're obviously leading up to the apex, which is, you know, going to be getting Aerith back, going to be fighting Rufus and, and and everything like that. It's like the immediate aftermath should be, yo, how did this happen? Hey, um, Mayor, buddy, noticing how you deleted a bunch of footage because he specifically mentions you scared the crap out of an accountant. Now, this is the part that I want to say ties it back into. I'm assuming if you took the elevator, which is the easy way, that woman is the actual accountant. Because I did not run into a single person that I had any interaction with other than guards up until talking to the mayor. I'm like, what do you mean I scared an accountant? Taking the elevator actually
0: closes that gap for me. There's a couple... People that like are sitting around in the like when you first come out of the stairs, there's a few people sitting around in like a lounge floor. So I guess you could have just said it was one of them. But I mean, now that you say that, like knowing about the elevator, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that that's what it's referring to.
1: Because she specifically screams at your presence and then leaves, Well, runs away. If you were to take the elevator, everyone in the lounge area is just like just assumes you're supposed to be there. No one even questions it. Because they're all like, can you believe these avalanche idiots have done this? Like, this is all their fault, and I have to work late because of them.
0: Well, and it, the the, pe- the couple of people that you talk to are all like, oh, you must be with Shinra Sh- with, uh, Security, right? Yep. That's, even though we don't have uniforms at all, that is definitely what's going on.
1: And so then that whole, like, what do you mean I scared an accountant? No, I didn't. Ah, now it makes sense.
0: Okay, yeah, that does make a lot more sense, then.
1: I do think it's funny that... You're expected to go around to every single Shinra employee after this, and basically talk about the mayor.
0: <laughs> yes, because oh, we have another inside contact, and he'll—they'll be waiting for you. And just go up to them and and talk about and say the mayor, and they'll tell you how great I am, and that—that's the password. And they're like, really. Which, even
1: more, it's like, do you want Shinra to know that you're responsible for all of this? You really want to be the guy where Avalanche is like, hey, you want to talk about
0: the mayor for a second? Hey, let's bring up the mayor. The mayor. Well, maybe he can just use that to be like, you know, see, I was obviously framed because of course I wouldn't be that stupid. Shinra has killed for less, and I feel
1: like the mayor, who has become a glorified accountant of, in his words, the greatest city in the world. I don't think that's very smart.
0: Oh no, I'm not saying it's smart but like I have to assume that's his plan. It's like, Yeah, obviously it wasn't me because there's no way I would be stupid enough to do that. We're halfway-ish through the Shinra building? Maybe. We'll have to continue doing this in the next episode and keep going in the tower to go get Aerith because that's going to do it for this episode of Video Games Cover to Cover. As always, you can find us on twitter or via our email or on our discord channel and i will make sure to include the links to that in the episode description
1: i hate shinra